0: Dennis Prager here, if you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you settled a real estate dispute between brothers. Yeah, Dennis, my client owned property with his brother and wanted to sell, but his brother didn't. He wanted to live in the property, rent-free. Not all brothers get along. How did you resolve it? It's always a challenge when family is involved, so we focused on the law of partition. That allows you to force a sale of the property. This tool is effective because it's unemotional and doesn't depend on how much percentage you have in the property. It forces one to think of about buying his interest from the other. That's what we did here, and the brothers walked away without hard feelings. Well, that was a real success. My friends, you know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business legalities. Call him for your own legal issues at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right. Barack Lurie at Lurie & Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now, listen to The Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. Hi, this is Brooke Lurie and this is the Brook Lurie Podcast with me, my good friend and producer Ari David. A pleasure always. Uh, you know, I always try to Revamp that a little bit I, I changed the words around ever so slightly So that, uh, you know, it feels different the So podcast. it stays fresh So yes, it
1: becomes fresh, a living fresh. experience <laughs> and not, just, not just the you reading For that script you have in front of you <laughs> That's exactly right Tired dead just, words written by dead white men <laughs> 1700 years
0: ago Well, but you know, but the, some, some things are timeless, right? You are my good friend and my producer, and it is always a pleasure. So, what am I going to say? All right. Anyway.
1: Well, you know what I'll have to do sometime: come in with thumbtacks and leave them on your chair. Say, "I'm with Ari David, and this is agony."
0: That's right. And just for the record, (laughs) this is not a pleasure. I think they're rusted. I need a tetanus shot. I worry about Ari. Anyway. Uh, we have some serious news to talk about, of course, and uh, and that is what happened in Paris recently. Uh, this uh, the morning of Wednesday, um, January six, no seven. Uh, seven. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible uh, news. Happened was that uh, some really bad guys went ahead and uh, killed twelve um, uh, people, twelve French uh, people in a, in a magazine in a building in, in Paris. Um, why? Because uh, they had uh, the, fa- what, what is it called? The dishonored uh, Muhammad.
1: They and had the uh, audacity to make blasphemed. fun yeah.
0: of Yeah, they made fun of Muhammad and made cartoons consistent with that. And so uh, these three professional hitmen went over and uh, did hor- horrific damage and killed the policeman and, and 11 others, and then they escaped. And of course, it was all done in the name of uh, Islam. They said, Allah Akbar, they made it clear to tell a witness, uh, tell the media that this is being done on behalf of Al-Qaeda in Yemen, I think it was, and off they went, okay, and did their dastardly deeds. And what happens, uh, you know, this is, this is horrific stuff, right? It's very clear we're living in a time of Islamic terror and we have things to really worry about. This is not going to be a pretty, pretty time. And it's getting worse, not better, it's getting worse. And what's interesting to me is how the administration responds to this and the first thing it says, predictably, well, let's wait and see whether we call this terrorism or something else. But, you know, Mr. Obama, this this group made it clear to you, and they, they told a witness who was right there, make it clear to the media that this is on behalf of uh, al-Qaeda in Yemen, okay? That's your job. You okay? mean professional terrorists. Yeah. In other we, 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 th- we are, this is terrorism. This is not workplace violence. This is not, you know, I feel bad today. We are making it clear. We want to send the signal out that we are doing this on behalf of terror, Okay. And uh, these guys don't seem um, to—the Obama administration, notwithstanding all that, notwithstanding the Allah Akbar comment ahead of time, notwithstanding the fact that they're doing it specifically to people that they claim to have blasphemed Muhammad, and notwithstanding that they had uh, told a witness that this is exactly the way they want the media to to look at this, no, no, no. Obama won't have any of this. (laughs) This is— this may... Be, well, let's just wait. Let's. The jury's still out as to what this is. We, we need a full crime investigation because we can't take their word for it.
1: You know, yeah, this... This isn't like uh, where the Cambridge police acted stupidly or his son Trayvon was attacked by a white Hispanic and we could just jump to our conclusions right away and make a press announcement right, right, and really exactly. talk about what happened yeah, here. Yeah,
0: that, that you can definitely jump to your conclusions. But yeah,
1: hands up, don't shoot. You know, oh, they, yeah. That, this... Yeah. We, we need all the facts.
0: Yeah, suddenly... But but this is, this is, again, just putting his head in the sand, and it's uh, very disconcerting. And look, it, the news media has, especially Fox News, and, and rightfully so, has pointed out to uh, a speech that Obama gave in 2012 where he said, it, you know, not just in passing, he said it to a broad audience, he said uh, that the time for blaming or uh, you know, we shall not give a comfort to the blasphemers of Allah.
1: No, he said literally. And yeah. we remember, we remember this. He had just blamed Nakula Nikula an American who is now in jail for making a video no one saw Correct. as the cause of the Benghazi right. Right. I remember. And he said literally, the future does not belong to those who slander the Prophet of Islam. Right. Now right. that means those who do slander the Prophet of Islam, literally, in based
0: on Obama's words, should not be allowed to live. That's what that means. It uh, can't be good. No, it can't be pro-slanderers of Islam. And and what what kind of telegraphing was he sending to the to the Muslim world at that point? That slander people by your definition, whoever slanders uh, Islam, well then, you know, go out and go go forth and and kill them as as much as you like. Do what you need to do, folks. Yeah, that's right. What what bizarre comment was that? It's and this was a scripted comment, right? It was the one a comment. You know, and you know what I'm talking about, where he looks to, to the right and his jaw sticks up to the sky and he, he feels that he's saying something profound. And knowing that it and will he be quoted.
1: Lips. Don't open, fit
0: the lip purse. And he knows that he'll be quoted on this. This is the thing that bothers me the most. It was not a off the comet thing where, for example, uh, he's speaking uh, passively to uh, the, the, the Saudi Arabia king. And says, oh, by the way, you know, the future doesn't belong. Everyone knows the future doesn't belong to the slanderers of Islam. And more. And then it gets picked up by a hot mic, right? Then you know, even then you would say, Well, that's that's bizarre, and we would have a comment about this, and we would say, doesn't that reflect the real Obama and, and what he really believes? No, but this guy actually says it to a broad audience, knowing that it's going to be quoted and proudly proclaiming this. And do you remember where he gave that
1: speech? It's very important. No. That was his address to the U.N. General Assembly. Oh,
0: yes, I remember. Yeah, from the, from the background. A couple
1: I, weeks before the next election. Yeah. And that's the confidence yeah. he had that this would not harm him and that would be okay, even if the American people saw this.
0: Well, this reaction... after Benghazi. This reaction in Paris is consistent with somebody who just doesn't want to uh, deal with Islamic terror. He doesn't want to recognize Islamic terror, and for that matter... Uh, may want to just brush it aside and not deal with it whatsoever because, well, frankly, uh, maybe he, uh, not that he supports Islamic terror, don't get me wrong, but that uh, he doesn't see that as a real problem. How about that? Uh, What what really is a problem, of course, is what's happening in Ferguson and uh, Eric Garner in New York, the the rampant racism that's going on in our own police force, uh, gay rights. Keystone pipeline. Keystone pipeline. All the, all the blades of grass that will be killed as a result of the Keystone pipeline. I mean, nobody speaks for those blades of grass. And I'm, I'm vegan, man. And he's speaking, he's speaking my language, buddy. <laughs> uh, no, of course I'm kidding around. It's such absurdity that this, uh, that that he could claim that somehow this is a, a problem. Every chaff so of wheat,
1: Barak. Yes, Every yes. chaff of wheat.
0: Yes, he might displace some some uh, you know molecules of oxygen. For a you prairie know. dog. <laughs> That's oh, by golly, I didn't even think about that. Who will think of the prairie dogs? Who will think of
1: the prairie dogs? Well, we will on this That's show. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's true. Uh, anyway, the point is that these are the things that he he obsesses about, and he the last thing he wants to do is. is concern himself whatsoever about the real evil that's that's surrounding us all the time. And this goes back to this whole kind of cute comment that he made recently at a Hanukkah celebration where he said that he felt that he's Jewish in his soul. Remember that? And you wonder, wh- why does he say such a thing? You know, that's cute. I mean, he's obviously pandering to the crowd, and he wants to so- show how cool he is. I, I get that. But nevertheless... He- <laughs> I mean, who's this guy? He, you know he he's officially a Christian is what he tells us um, he's not a Muslim, but you know he he definitely speaks very lovingly of Islam and how uh, he thinks one of the most beautiful sounds is the sounds of the prayers in the morning and the evening and everything else in Indonesia where he used to live and now he's Jewish too, like this guy he's really covered his butt right when he goes up to heaven. And God, he's you know, he's Swiss army knife. But, he's just anything. He's anything. He's, uh, he's like Zelig, you know, in that movie, yes. right, Alan, right? Yeah. So he, he's, he's a man of every, he's, he's everyone to everything. You know, that's, that's great. So he, uh, he so God, you know, finally meets him. And, and so now when God says, you know, did you follow the one true religion? He says, you betcha. <laughs> whatever, All 50 of them. Whatever you say, I've, I've done it. He's like the guy, you know, who, who makes predictions, right? He makes video predictions about what the stock market like, will be like by the end of the year. And he makes 20 of these videos, right? And one of them is bound to be right. So when the time of the the year actually rolls around, and then he gets to say, you should invest with me because look at me. I predicted it. Here's a video of me saying it back in, in January of the preceding year, right? I mean, it's the same thing. This guy is everything to everybody, But we we digress. Let's talk back to Paris and uh, what this all means. Look, uh, we are – there's so many things that went wrong with all this, Uh, not only the Obama's reaction, which is certainly part of it, but the the, the French policeman who was killed, sadly, he himself was not carrying a firearm at all. How you can be a French policeman and walk around without a firearm – Uh, which is, it's a fairly dangerous city compared to, let's say, New York, uh, when you know that there is um, terrorism all over the place in Paris, that it's really reaching quite historic highs, and you've got a very angry Muslim population within your city. Why you wouldn't carry a gun? Crazy to me. Sadly, he was killed. He didn't have any way to defend himself, and uh, he was just a sitting duck. And you see this video just have, just plowing him down. You see him going from life to death. It's just a very, very stat, state of affairs. And and shows how just ignorant we are about the realities of evil. We just can't accept what evil is. And these Frenchies, um, they don't get it. The Europeans don't get it. They still don't get it, even though evil they, evil's all around them. Liberal Americans don't get it. You and I saw that
1: video, and I know we were both struck by the callous disregard the murderer had for the victim's life. Yeah. How it was an afterthought to the shooter that I just killed a human being. He didn't pause more than half a second to just make sure the gun was aimed at the head. Yeah. Pulled the trigger, boom, kept going. Right. And it was... The perfect personification of what evil truly is: complete disregard for human life, indiscriminate murder, just on the street, just because you happen to be in my way. Yeah. And to give the liberals credit, they've so insulated themselves in a bubble of non-reality that to admit that this is real is could cause PTSD
0: for them. Well, but but you've just described a, a, a gentleman. What's his name? Barack Obama. I mean, that's exactly what, what it is. He, he refuses to recognize this because of exactly what you just said. He, what's the point of recognizing this? He, he just can't even see it. Uh, it's, it's so plain as day. It's like a, yeah, there's one movie I saw where the guy, um, he committed a crime, and he wanted to go to the police station and say, look, I, I did this. Um, and he starts letting out how he did this terrible crime. And the police just refuse to believe him, and they just keep on pushing him away. And they say, yeah, yeah, you're just talking. And they just didn't want to deal with them. And this is what we're dealing with right now. Now, this this goes to a larger question. And we talked about this a little bit offline, Ari, you and I, about uh, the percentage of of, uh, the Islamic world that is radical and extremist and wants to create mayhem. And you hear this expression, the vast majority of Muslims are peace-loving and just want to get by their day and send their kids to school and, and everything else. Okay. First of all, let me just deal with the latter statement. Why, why would you say that? Why, why do you assume that every culture is the same, right? I mean, aren't you, not you, Ari, but you, Mr. Liberal, aren't you the one saying that all cultures are so unique and so interesting and so different and everything else? And we have to celebrate each of our differences. Right. And yet you will assume chauvinistically, that all cultures are the same. Because aren't you saying that their culture is the same when you say they just want to get up and eat to bed, go to their job, get their kids to school, and make sure that they grow up nicely? Why, why do you say that? Why is that a value? That's a value to us, yes, in Western civilization. Why is that a value to every other yeah, culture? It, it, you want to believe that that's what the case is, but it's not. But, and and, and you, you are constantly saying one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter and such like that. So why, why would it perturb you, for example, in that, that uh, one family wants to raise their son as martyrs for, for Islam? Why wouldn't you just say, hey, you know, yeah, that's what they do, um, but they're just different, and they're equally good or equally bad. We're just as equally bad or equally good as they are. But, but don't tell me this is what they want. How do you know this, Mr. Liberal? How do you have a, a, a rat's you-know-what of an idea of what they're thinking and and assuming that their culture is the same as ours. Isn't it interesting that the same... I'm sorry, and that their wants are the same as ours as well. Yes,
1: yes. But isn't it interesting that the same people who are so utterly invested in telling us as conservatives that we're so biased and so racist and so subject to prejudicial jump-to-conclusion
0: behavior... And shallow. And
1: shallow. Mm -hmm are the ones who themselves are so likely to engage in this kind of anthropomorphism of projecting their own values and wants and desires and behaviors on people they have nothing in common or knowledge of. Yeah, I never do it. You never do it. Right. We always take the attitude of going, "Oh, this is a person I don't know. Let's talk to them and figure out what they're all about." And and, and judge by what they say and what they what they do and seeing if there's any discrepancies between the two sets of actions. And then we can conclude what this person's values are. And why, then we and then we judge
0: after that. Right. We don't why would I assume? Let's say let's say we don't go, assume they're just like us when we see them. Why? Just like I don't assume that they speak English, right? Yes. They speak another language literally. And uh, why do I assume that they want the same things that I want? And the, the liberals trying to convince us not to be disturbed by what's going on in Islamic terrorism by appealing to our sense that they're just like us, that they have the same wants as us. For, so, so, like I said, first of all, let's address that point because it's a falsity. Why would you assume that? I mean, how is it possible that you can say that, first of all, when polygamy is allowed in Islam rampantly? So, and that's not a question of violence, right? That's not a question of terrorism. It's a, just a different cultural dynamic. That's a question of marriage. Right, that's marriage. Literally. You're right, okay? And um, their legal system is completely different than ours. And you don't have to, that's not a question of terrorism. That's a question of a different culture. And we can judge that culture if we like we can say that it's better or worse, but don't tell me it's the same It's not it, they are very different cultures just in the same way that we have different languages P- Okay, so that's you're with me so far great now Let's address this argument that the vast majority which means that there is some some sort of a small minority That are the ones who are rabble-rousing and doing all these horrific things Okay so Let's let's assume, for the sake of discussion, first that only one percent of the world's 1.6 billion Muslims are radical. That's not it's not true, by the way. But let's just, for the sake of discussion, one percent. Okay, that means 160 million uh, Muslims who are radical. Okay, willing to kill, willing to blow themselves up.
1: Or willing to laugh and not show a cheer if they see you or I that's right. killed or blown up by one of the more radicals. No, no, no. Radicals. I'm
0: talking about the 1% because the numbers I'm going to give you are much higher. I'm talking okay. about 1% are willing to strap themselves with bombs and kill us, okay, if, if they have the opportunity. And they wouldn't mind planning it and everything else. They see great things in somebody like those 19, you know, quote-unquote heroes who who did the horrible things at the World Trade Center. Okay, 1%. That's it. Remember that number 160 million That's a lot Okay um, Now that's that's I'm sorry That's uh, I, I'm incorrect 16 million Okay That's a lot of people 16 million people Willing to destroy themselves Kill themselves And try to create As much mayhem as possible That's a lot of people And for and Just for, for Understanding Perspective my friends 16 million Is is more, 3 million more, than the entire Jewish population in the entire world, okay? So, 3, 3 million, that's, that's just the 1% that I'm talking about. Can you imagine if, if all the Jews in the world were radicalized and lived in some sort of, some, some sort of dictatorship and, and decided that they wanted to kill everyone that they could possibly see? You'd be very frightened, because you, you, you know how many Jews there are in the world, but by the way, there's only 13 million of them. So 16 million Muslims who are radicalized, we, we ought to be very concerned. Okay, I think everyone's on board with me so far. Now let's look at the facts. Okay, the facts are, as we now know them, is that 20% of the Muslim population is radical. The radical, in the sense of, they want to put bombs on themselves. No,
1: that they would want to. They would. They
0: would. They would. They They're, would. They,
1: they are, as we say in the business community, they are the doers. Right. Not the, <clears throat> not the applauders, but
0: the right. doers. Yeah. They, they, they don't, they don't just talk the talk. They walk the walk. Right. Okay, that's what you're saying. <laughs> they get that's things right. done. Right. <laughs> <I pay. laughs> They're the leaders of tomorrow yeah. <laughs> but, We'll yeah. call them the Anthony Robbins That's puzzles. right, they're very uh, vocal About their the their opinions and they actually do it Okay, so 20% So 20% is a bigger number than 1% Okay By a factor of 20, right. ironically That's right Yes. So 20% of 1.6 billion people That would be 320 million Okay That's more than that the 16 million we we're just talking about, 320 million people want and would kill uh, people like you and me if they just had the opportunity. Okay, that's scary stuff.
1: And just to put that in perspective, that is the number of people in the entire United States, including illegal aliens and those without health insurance.
0: Good point it's a okay. lot Th- that 's how of scary it is people but don 't it 's like those infomercials, but wait there 's more, there's more. <laughs> if you act now, if you haven 't peed in your pants yet, <laughs> let me help you <laughs> um, so there's there's more on this, so it turns out that and Ben Shapiro does a great analysis of this by the way, in a video that he did you might want to YouTube it, but he does this analysis where he shows that in fact. 60%, 60% or even more, actually want to either be involved directly in uh, Islamic terrorism or fully support them. And so, in other words, want to help them indirectly um, and give them succor and, and such like that. that, that, that is the, that's what's really happening. So it turns out, when you use the, fra- the phrase vast majority that in fact, the vast majority of Islam is actually extremely uh, dangerous. It's the minority that think like you and I do. Right, the
1: way we really should phrase it is instead of saying it's the vast, it's the slim minority who wants to do X, Y, Z bad things. To speak truth, and this is so completely unpolitically correct, you'd have to say it's the tiniest of minorities that wants to live in peace with you and I.
0: Right. That's right
1: Now when you examine the reality through those two perspectives That were just enlightened here It's terrifying Yeah It's go by a gun time
0: Yeah Nobody wants to to deal with that reality And and certainly not uh, Obama The last thing Obama wants to deal with right now Is a full scale war or recognition that they were in war in the first place Because, you know, he's got less than two years left now Yeah like, can't we just get along right now? Al Qaeda
1: is dead. GM is alive. Come
0: on. <laughs> yeah, and so is Bin Laden. Um, so by golly, let's just get, let's just stop this nonsense and uh, uh, this this talk. And and you know, look, if it gets things things get worse, my my next uh, the next president can deal with this. In fact, uh, I encourage my next president to deal with this instead of me. Uh, but but I will write all sorts of things, and I'll be on the other side of the coin, and I'll. I'll help uh, speak on behalf of How moderate uh, Islam is g- And how good it is And how beautiful I love those prayers that are Yeah, Colin
1: Powell and me Will be flying around the world Yes, absolutely With Jimmy Carter
0: uh, Anyway, so It's just, it's a really big concern When you hear that phrase The vast majority you, you know, feel free to ask people When they say such a thing You say very politely What what are the stats on that? Um, Where do it, you get your numbers? Yeah, we, where did you learn that Can you point me to a Because I, I would love to uh, bring that up And to educate myself and others about this Because you say the vast majority Are peaceful and loving So rather than just accepting that I just, I really, I want to I want to know that for sure So tell me where you found that Oh, you, you said you read it in a New York Times article Or Rachel Maddow told you Ben Affleck, for example Oh yeah, he did say it George Clooney, he married a Muslim <laughs> That's There you go It, it, it goes on and on and You can get this from all these little pop phrases And pop quotes from this or that celebrity Or politician for that matter Katie
1: Couric, Janine Garofalo
0: They're all saying what what uh, they want you to say But in fact there's nothing there There, right It's there, there are many examples of this in history Where people just kind of They ascribe a certain quote to a certain person um, I, just, I just learned, you know, sadly, uh, I learned that Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, never uh, said a, a certain quote about being vegetarian, that, that uh, human rights begins with animal rights. That, that was like a famous line somehow that apparently he never said. But it just kind of caught fire, and everyone is, you know, spreading this out through the internet and otherwise, and but there's just no basis in fact for it. And, you know, th- that's, that's what you have with the internet, right? But this is the exact same thing. People are spreading this comment that the vast majority as if it's a truth, and I, I've even said it on my Sunday show. I, you know I I'd, like I'd like the vast majority of Muslims to be peace loving and such like that. of course I would. I would like them to all be peace loving and think like I do and just want to get up in the morning and kiss their wives goodbye and go to work and be productive and then you know send their kids off to school and, and help them grow up to be good decent citizens and, and participate in community life and all that stuff. I'd like that. It ain't gonna happen. It's not happening. But, you know, there it is. It's the same thing with uh, a lot of other mantras you hear at global warming, you, you hear about this. Uh, 90% of scientists agree. Yeah, 90, that's right. Uh, <laughs> you stole my thunder on that one, but that's fine. Yeah, exactly. That's the big lie, man. <laughs> that's what I really want to get to. Um, or, or, or that, that that AIDS is a heterosexual disease uh, in America, at least, and, and it equally affect every heterosexual. Uh, you know,
1: it's just not every true. Every man is at risk from women. There, there you go. Yeah. Oh, you, you know, I just realized something. I hope you're sitting down. I just realized that. You know peaceful, I'm sitting down. You it, see me sitting down. It's just a figure of speech. Uh, the, the 90% of peaceful Muslims or whatever yeah. is the one quote in history that will go down forever where liberal Hollywood celebrities agreed entirely with George Bush because he said that. George ah. W. Bush. Right so. After 9 11, he said <laughs> at that memorial, you know, we all know that most
0: of Islam is, is peaceful. Yeah. Well, you know, but he was naive when he said that, uh, of course. Nobody, nobody knew the extent of the problem as it, as it is. Now we're, now we're really taking these polls. We're really delving into this. We're, we're, we're saying this is a serious issue. These are real mother effers who are really trying to hurt us. And this is, it, it's as if we're, you know, it's, it, you know what? it's emblematic, what I'm about to say. Uh, it's we, we realize that the bad guys are no longer just the junior varsity team, right? They are the varsity team just in the same way that uh, Obama had his epiphany, well, I don't even know if he had an epiphany, but he certainly referred to them as the junior varsity team. He never acknowledged them as the varsity team at any point. You're talking about ISIS. Yeah, ISIS. Yeah. But it's emblematic of the whole way we've treated this whole thing. Back in, uh, in, in 9-11, um, maybe we thought that these... Jackasses were just the JV team. Yes, they kind of got through. They did this horrific thing. We're going to get these bad yeah, guys. Yeah, it was a lucky shot from yeah. half court that happened to go in. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but it turns out no, it's it's uh, it's much more systematic. It's much more endemic. It's much more entrenched in our society. We have reason to have great fear, and we must uh, respond in, in an institutional way. Uh, and and this is the, the fear that I have. Look, I'll, I'll end this podcast with a reference to World War II. I, I was always amazed by World War II because it struck me how incredibly lucky we were to win that war. Uh, a lot of the reason why we lost, uh, why we won the war, was because Hitler himself was so made so many mistakes. It wasn't because we did such, we prosecuted such a great war. We did in in many ways, but. Also, Hitler made a lot of mistakes, two-front war, and so on like that. But I'm, I'm I'm not even going there. I'm simply saying it's amazing that we got to the point that the whole war depended on the success of D-Day. D-Day, you know, we all look back on it in June June 6, 1944, and it was a glorious day and everything else like that. But D-Day may have might have been one of the worst battle disasters in history. We threw everything. In there, it was the biggest invasion in history, it may still be today. And it was necessary, of course, to do so. But the fact that it was necessary is what I want to talk about. That things got so bad that we had to send, I don't know how many men, 600. It was some outrageously high number of men and that we had to do this feint where we pretended it was going to be in Calais, and instead it was in Normandy Beach, of course, at the end of the day, and we faked the Germans out, but they might, they might have found out about it. And had they found out about it, it, it would have been a, a total slaughter. And as it was, even with the surprise, the Germans were still still able to, uh, to, to pick off so many of our men. It was a real, real slaughter by today's standards. And then eventually we crept into Europe and were able to, to conquer Europe. Man, it took about a year for that to happen. It should never have gotten to that point, right? It's because we let Hitler grow slowly from this, you know, a thug group of men of 20 men or so that and it became 200 men, that became 2,000 men, that became 20,000 and so on. And then success after success and, and appeasement after appeasement uh, occurred to the point that Hitler became the most powerful man in Europe and threaten not only the United States, but also Russia as well. This is how powerful. That we were actually talking about that maybe we might speak German at some point. This is how powerful he was. He
1: essentially became. became the most powerful man in the world. In the world. In the amount of effect he had on so many people's lives. Yeah. Who were Who wanted nothing to do with him or his movement.
0: And after all the ignoring of Hitler, after all the decisions to say, well, this, is, this guy is a nothing. He's, he's not even a good artist and all, such like that. We can dismiss him because they didn't wanna deal with another world war. Now, w- w- what's his legacy? Uh, you know, hundred million people dead as a result of that war, hundred million.
1: Permanent changes to borders and, and uh, demarcation lines within
0: continents. H- horrific family breakups. I mean, they, the things that occurred as a result of World War II the empires that the British Empire completely destroyed in the process. How much of your family is missing because of Hitler? Amazingly, I have very little in the way of, of Hitler missing. Most uh, of my uh,
1: family is yeah.
0: gone. be Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm one of the exceptions. Um, but 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 without going there, I just I'm simply saying, it's it's just amazing that we had to get to the point that D-Day was the thing that changed it, that turned the tide, as as horrific a battle that was. And that's what might happen here, my friends. We are ignoring the growth of Islamic terror to the point that we may end up having our own D-Day. What, what will it take for us to turn this around and make this into the victory that it needs to be? I'll tell you one thing. It will never be a victory so long as we refuse to recognize that it's actually happening around us and that it's growing. We must recognize it. We must stop thinking of it as anything less than the pure evil that it is. I pray for us all. I'm Brock Lurie. This has been the Brock Lurie Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you real soon.